draw us again today to a great reality of you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, if you're new with us today, welcome. Uh, we're doing things slightly different. We're changing the order in which we do some things. Don't know how long for. Uh, we might change it up as we go on this journey, but you know, when God speaks, you just need to obey what He says, so we're obeying and hopefully understand everything sometimes when God says do things, but you know, as you do obey, you come in to understand them. How many people have realized that? You know, sometimes God asks you to do something, you don't know why you do it, but you do it, and then understanding comes. And it's the right way because it requires faith. You know, if we wait, for everything to wait to understand everything, it doesn't require any faith. And what is Jesus returning for? People of faith. Faith. Excuse me. That feels so much better. Um, we've been doing and looking at this whole thing called patterning the life of Christ. And this morning we're just going to continue this. And, and what I want to do is Jesus pattern walking in alignment. He patterned what it looked like to walk straight up, not leaning to the left or leaning to the right, but walking in alignment to his Father, walking in obedience to his Father and the truth. And uh, I want us to look at that because what I, what I want to do is I want to have a look at two truths that, you know, we can take them on their own and they are truth and we can anchor in those truths, but sometimes you know, you can have two truths, individual truths, and when you look at them and you put them up beside one another, they look like they contradict. Have you found that? Sure. Yeah? yeah. Simon has. Anyone else? Does anyone read the Bible to know that's a reality? Here's a question. I'm just going to read this out, and it's just what I said. So how many of us have read and discovered a particular truth only to read another part of the Bible to discover another truth that looks like it contradicts the truth you just discovered. So you read one truth and you go, that's awesome, well that's cool. And then you flick a few pages or a couple of chapters and you read another truth and you go, hold on a minute, that looks like that contradicts that. You know, if you deny me before men, then I'll deny you before my father. Yet Peter denied him three times, yet then God goes and starts this whole movement through Peter, and Peter's a key player in this kingdom development on earth. How do you deny him and then be a player, a major player? They look like, but no, they actually attract one another. So my message today is opposites actually attract, they don't repel. I think God knew something about that when he formed man and wife and he put them together. <laughs> Sometimes it looks like, my goodness, this person repels me. But no, actually, if you can see it, and if you can see the pattern, if you can see the truth, actually, now these two things actually attract. Because it's in the attracting and the integration of the attracting that greater truth is found. Greater freedom is found. When I choose to love my wife and to lay my life down for her, and as she chooses to submit to that, that leadership, that authority, you know what happens? We both find a great reality of truth in the process. And it's the same thing with these, these truths that, that look like they possibly can repel one another, but they actually attract one another. And I think that's pretty cool. And so uh, we're going to 
look at uh, some of that. You know, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, take, uh, don't take anything on the journey. He says, don't take a thing. Don't take money. Don't take your staff. Don't take anything. And then you read a bit further on, and he says, right now I'm going to give you all the stuff to take with you. But hold on a minute. You just told me not to take anything here. Now you're giving me the stuff. What's going on? And as we looked at last week, you know, you discover the tension that exists. When you hold those two truths in tension, you discover a greater reality. You discover a greater uh, depth of understanding of those two truths. And you're able to walk in that and walk in an alignment. Does that make sense? Alrighty. Well, um, to try and explain uh, what I want to teach to, to you today, I'm going to use uh, some gear that I used to sell. And I used to work for NZ Safety. And part of working for NZ Safety was that I used to train people and uh, sell height safety equipment. And uh, so those were the people that were, were working on heights, working on roofs, working on buildings where they needed um, height safety equipment. So if they fell, uh, they didn't die, basically. And uh, I want to prove this uh, point today. So if I had my two assistants, that would be very good. It's not a magic act, so... Anybody want to go bunging, jumping after the roof, on the roof after today, come and see me. Or you probably tear it up. We'll see Clay, he's an expert. <laughs> Clay's an expert. <laughs> now what I'm going to do, I'm going to get to explaining some scripture, but what you can imagine, we've got this, my beautiful model assistant here, Kirk, and, and he is a... He's a, he's a what, what, what you need, this is called a temporary safe, uh, safety lifeline system. Okay, so if you're working on roofs, uh, if you're a builder, you're a painter, and you're up on a roof, and you need to be able to move along the roof and then down the roof, you install one of these systems, which enables you to move up and down, move out, and as I said, if you fell off the edge, you would actually, this, this system would, would save your life, okay? What's really important in the system, you need anchor points. That's an anchor point, okay? And it's very important that anchor points are installed correctly. It's very important that someone knows how to install an anchor point because obviously, uh, in the event of a fall, that thing takes a lot of tension. Okay, if that is not installed, what's going to happen? It'll come away from where it's installed to and the poor builder's probably going to have a nasty accident. So, this man is an anchor point. Okay, And an anchor point today represents a truth. You understand that so far? You with me? So here's a truth. And Simon over this side, he is also a truth. He is an anchor point. And so these are these two individual truths that exist, two anchor points that are in play. Now, imagine I'm the worker, okay? I'm the roof man on the roof. Now, the, if my two anchor points can pull this rope nice and tight. Okay, now, imagine I have a harness on, okay? So this is connected to me. Now, when the anchor points are installed well and they, they fit it correctly, and this tension between the line is nice and taut, means I can actually move, in theory, right, here we go, up and down the line. So I can move up and down this line, and I can work. Yeah? With me so far. Okay? So there's freedom in how I actually move. Now, 
Imagine if one of the anchor points is just relax, just maybe loosen your hand so there's a dip in the line. A bit more. See this? I can't move anywhere. I'm stuck. So when one of the anchor points, and when one of the anchor points is, is maybe say failing on me, it's not installed properly, and the, the, the tension in the line gets loose, I can't actually work. Mm. Before I was in freedom. If I could move around, I was in this incredible freedom. I could get on the roof, I could come down the roof. But now, these two anchor points, one is actually a little bit loose, and now there's a sag in the line. Now I can't work. So I'm getting a bit frustrated. I'm not really in freedom. Maybe, you know, on this anchor point, I was, I was, I was, I was working here, and I was anchored on my seat, and I could work around sort of here. So I understood, you know, this anchor point on its own, standing alone, I could do a little bit of work. But I can't get over there. But I can actually, you know, this thing's holding my weight, it's doing the thing, I can see this side of it, I can see the side of it, I'm getting some stuff. But when I put this line in play, and when I put these anchor points in play, and it's nice and tight and nice and tension, now I'm free to move around. Now I'm coming into a group, now I can actually move down the roof and I can fix that bit there. When I was just on this anchor point, all I could do was fit there. You hear what I'm saying? Because these are two truths. I can understand this side of the truth and look around. I can get some good revelation from here. I can go this side and I can understand this side of the truth and take these things as individual things. But when these two truths are in play and they're held in tension with one another, now I'm free to move about the roof. I'm coming into a greater reality and I'm more freer to work. Yeah? Now here's the thing though, okay? When... These two truths are not held in tension. Okay? Could give the message. <laughs> Hold it up. Okay. So when they're not in uh, tension with one another, or slightly out of balance, okay, and I and, and pressure is applied onto the line, okay, say I fall. What happens is with two fingers I can just pull them in. Those are two strong guys with two fingers I just pulled in because when pressures apply on the line. And the two, the two truths do not, are not held in tension. I get seriously hurt. We need to walk in this understanding, these two truths that look like they can possibly repel us, but they actually trap us when they're held in tension. Does that make sense today? Have I confused anybody? Maybe a little. So we need to. <laughs> well, yes, like, there is a greater truth to be to be understood. So there is a, an individual truth here that I can learn from. Yeah, I can see around. I can get a level of understanding as I understand this truth. Same with this truth over here. Okay. So on that truth, so on this truth here, I can look at this truth. But so I get some understanding around there. But if I look at those two things, they they can look like they can actually contradict one another. When I read it, deny, you know, if you deny me, I'll deny you. But now I'm going to build my life on you. Love, love unconditionally. But now. You know, there's a, there's a discipline aspect of this love. There's a judgment for Christians. What? I thought, hold on a minute. 
Now, when you integrate those two things through intimacy of the Spirit, you come to understand a greater reality and walk in that reality. Does that make sense there? Correct. Absolutely. But there's a greater, when I, when I put, it's like when I, when I, well, look at that, look at that, and go, God, help me understand this. There's a greater clarity that can come. Now, I'm going to take just a couple of truths. Thanks, guys. Just leave it. Standing there. Let's give my assistants and talkers. Yay! <laughs> so open your Bibles for me to Matthew 11. Matthew 11, 28. Just want to um, throw this in before I get into it. You know, part of our vision here, if you are new, is to love others. Part of loving others is loving those that don't know Christ. And uh, we're putting on an event on the 28th of July at Chipmunks, which is in Tawa which is just awesome now. Not that it wasn't good before, but I've been going down there a couple of times getting to know the staff. It's just an awesome place to hang out. And God just gave me ideas. So you just hire this place out, get adults and kids to come here. We'll put it on two hours for free and just bring a friend and then serve and love on our community. So I want to encourage you, you can come as an adult, but if you've got some kids, grab some tickets from out there in the foyer. It's all free. We're going to feed the kids. We're going to put some food on for adults. And for two hours, from 6 till 8 on the 28th of July, just hang out and love on people and have some fun. Um, you are 11 or older, you're not allowed, allowed on the big slide. What? So that's a little bit of a bummer. Um, so I'm getting Madeline and Lily just to invite, invite some kids from school. Let's come along, bring their parents, and let's hang out together. So that's going to be a cool thing. So Matthew 11, verses 28. 28 to 30. Words of Jesus, come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What a cool passage of truth. What an incredible promise that God gives us. It's, this, is, this is a promise. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So there's a promise. It's not just a, a nice thought. There's a promise. If you come to me, if you come to me hungry, if you come to me as your father, if you come to me and leave you behind, come to me and seek me, I will give you rest. I'll give you, there's an exchange, there's a transition that happens between him and you. So when we carry things, when we carry burdens and all these things, the more I come to him, he promises to give me more of him. The ultimate rest is more of him. And we've shared this, the more I rest, the more everything. The more I know of him, the more everything. More joy, peace, patience, all these things. So he gives us this promise. Then he says, take my yoke, take my teaching upon you and learn from me. Everything I've got for you, learn from me. Allow it to, to come into you. Allow it to transform you. For I am gentle and humble in heart. Don't you love those words? 
That God is gentle and He's humble of heart. He allows us. His grace is the most incredible living, tangible substance of food that I've ever discovered. The fact that He is so long-suffering, His love is so long-suffering, that it enables me and empowers me and gives me time and all my mess-ups and stuff-ups and my attitude and my egos and my pride and my arrogance and all that stuff. He still loves me. And His grace is continuing to be poured out upon me. And that He is gentle and He is humble of heart. And He just waits and looks and everyone has the same opportunity to come into Him more and more and more. Humble of heart. And you will find rest for your souls. Man, what an exchange. Isn't that an awesome exchange? We have this all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful being God who gives a rip about me, who saw me before I was even born, who loves me unconditionally, that laid His Son down for me. And although I still sometimes don't choose Him, and for eight years chose to use Him as a way of meeting my need. He's still there. He's still there. He's this unbelievable, unfathomable person that you can know. He's humble of heart. He says, you know what? If you come to me with all your rubbish, I'll give you greatness. Imagine that. Wouldn't it be cool if you put your rubbish out one morning and you know there was a brand new Mercedes-Benz? I don't know, you put out your, your, your plastic recycling, your rubbish. You brought it all in, you came home and not only was the bin full, but it was full of all this incredible stuff. You know, I gave him my brokers at the age of 29. You know what he gave me? His son. Awesome. I'm giving him death and he gives me life. Yeah. How does that work? I give him my stuff, he gives me life. He gives me revelation, he brings me alive inside. It's not exactly an even deal, is it? A fair swap. I have this incredible, loving Jesus Christ who says, if my people, if people would come to me, even though they, you know, half the world or billions of people are still snubbing their nose up at him, turning away from him, worshipping other idols and other gods and creating other belief systems, his love doesn't alter. Are you getting the picture of one side of the truth of who Jesus is? Okay, cool. Come back a page and come meet to Matthew 10, verses 34. Here he goes. These are the same words of Jesus. This is the same guy. He just said all those beautiful things. He then says this. Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. Mm. Hold on a minute. Mm. You just told me you, if I come to you, give me some stuff. You'll give me back the stuff. You're humble of heart. You're gracious. You're loving. Now you're telling me I didn't come to bring peace. Oh, okay, read on. 
I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Hold on a minute. Is this the same guy? This is the same guy speaking now? For I came to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be his members of his household. Hmm. I'm a bit confused reading this. Then he says in verse 37, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. But I thought I was supposed to honour my parents. I thought I was supposed to put my parents first. You know, it says, if I honour my parents, then there's a blessing attached. Now he tells me that if I love my father and my mother more than I love Christ, I'm not worthy of him. <laughs> oh, but messed up. I remember having to live this principle out about three years ago. I love my dad. Love him to bits. But God spoke to me about something and said, no, you're not together. Back home for Christmas. We had a slight run-in with one another. He said some things that were quite angry things. But I'm supposed to honour my parents. But now you're telling me that he who loves the Father and Mother more than I love you, God, I'm not worthy of you. Then he goes on, look at this. And he who loves son or daughter more than me, is not worthy of me. Now he takes it to another level. What happened to the Jesus that said, come to me and I'll give you all this rest. I'm humble in heart. I'm soft. I'm all loving. I'm all knowing. I want to go, oh, I love that. I love that Jesus, don't I? I love that God. The one that says he sent the son for me and he's all, you know, and forever I die, I'm going to be in heaven. But what about the Jesus that starts like saying, you know what, I've come to bring... I've come to bring peace. I've come to bring division, it says in Luke. I've come to separate some things. I've come to walk in an alignment of truth. And you know what? When I walk in an alignment to truth, it's going to cause some tension. It's going to cause some things in, in human thinking and human ways. It even says in Luke, I love this, when Jesus is born and he's eight days old and he goes to the temple, and the prophet prophesies over him. And he says, this, this, this boy, many are going to fall and rise on this, this boy. And his parents are getting all up. Whoa, listen to the prophecies. Isn't it awesome? Look at the son that, you know, well, they didn't produce, but, you know, <laughs> that we've been called to raise. And they get all excited. And yet you just turn the page over. And when the reality of that prophecy is now outworking when he's 12 years old, his mum and dad rebuke him. So I believe this is, this, is the, this is a picture of some of these tensions operating. But the beautiful thing about that picture, and it's another message, is Jesus actually does honour his parents, and he comes underneath his parents and goes home with them. But he says, where am I going to be? I'm supposed to be here. And you rebuke me? But because of love, I'm still going to honour. Can you see these two tensions operating? He's supposed to be in the father's house, but he ends up going home with his parents. 
Because when you operate in these individual tensions, you get life. But when you walk in the... Will hold these two tensions together, you understand the life. You can understand a greater reality that God's trying to bring us into. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. But I thought I was worthy of him. Wasn't I worthy of him when, when, when I invited him into my life? Then I become worthy then? Yes. So what am I not worthy of? If I am worthy, how come Jesus is telling me I'm not worthy? Anybody else confused? Is there this gobbledygook or is it you know the language, you know, it's it's, know, it's text language or Google language that you have to try and interpret? You see, there's these tensions. The kingdom is full of tension. I'm known as the tension guy on staff. <laughs> there are these tensions that exist. And we must hold these two tensions, these two truths in tension. And be able to walk along the line. Because if all I do is understand Jesus as this, you know, this, this and he is, you know, hear what I'm saying, he is all loving, he is a, this, but he's just like, oh, just come here and, you know, I'll just give you a big hug and it's okay. And you don't have to you do anything, you know, you just have to be with me. And there is all that truth, but then I don't look and I don't hold this other truth in tension. Then I can become so lopsided that when the Lord comes, not Saviour, but the Lord comes and He says, do this, this and this. I go, no, you're getting a bit harsh. You're getting a bit, a bit full on, aren't you? What happened to, the, what happened to just the loving Jesus saved me? I'm the same Jesus. But now I've come to do some other things. Can you hear what I'm saying today? Absolutely. We have to have, we have to know in both sides, every side. He's not just Savior, He's Lord. But He's my Father. The Bible then says He's my friend. He says He's my groom. That's another one we've been looking at. I think about God, the Lord Jehovah, and I, I, I see like a circle and I see pies, bits of pies. And you can fit them in. It's like, you know, you've got Saviour, Friend, Lord, Father, King. Do I know him as King? He certainly wasn't a King on earth when he came in the mindset that I have as a King. He's returning as a King. Not this guy that's going to float down on a cloud and we're going to sing Kumbaya. He's coming, the Bible says, with his angels, with horses. He's coming as a military force. For, firstly, for you, his bride. But do I know him as king? Or do I just know him on this one side as this loving guy? Oh, Jesus, we're so in love. We hang out, we play worship music. Look, I'm not knocking that. That's awesome. I do that. Absolutely. But then do I know him as a father that disciplines those he loves. Very good. Yes. Very good. Yes. Very good. My father disciplined me because he loved me. You know what? It was good for me. Yes. We've thrown discipline out of the window in our society. Anti-smacking bill. That's never going to fix the problem. You know what? The church is to be an answer to that problem. Those that are in those workplaces are to bring wisdom and life into those places. 
But do you allow the Father to discipline you? Do you allow a loving Father? Because it says God disciplines those He loves. Why? So we can walk in an alignment. You see, part of understanding these truths, these anchor points as individual truths is great and they help. But when you understand them and hold them in tension, you come to a much greater reality. What it actually is to do, it straightens you up. So you're able to walk in understanding and take those things and go, you know what, I see that. Understand that. I understand the great depth of what you're trying to do in me. Because if we rebuke or if we push back on a discipline aspect of God, we'll never become the people that God wants us to become. Yeah. My children, if I do not discipline my children in love, will never become the people that God wants them to become. Can you imagine no discipline? Can you imagine if my love was just purely, oh, well, it's okay. We just love. It's okay. Do whatever you want, Madeline. <laughs> You know what? She tries to. She's awesome. She'll have outrageously bad behaviour and still want the reward. Why can't I have it? I think that's a bit like us. Sure, sure. We want to act all this stuff out. We want to be, you know, not that nice of people and then go, come on. Your word says this. I'm believing for this. You'll give me the desires of my heart. No, no. You'll give me your desires and place your desires in my heart. Yes. Which then yeah. become my desires, which yeah. I live out. Yeah. Mm. Mm. A lot of people asking for things they're never going to get. <laughs> the Christmas list is going to be a bit small this year. Or the presents. Start asking. See, there's another, there's another tension right there. The amount of people that think that God is just going to give them whatever they want. Because we don't understand. We don't take those two things and bring them together. Intention come to a greater reality. It would be chaos in my house if I didn't discipline my wife. <laughs> I just had to throw that one out there. I was getting a bit tense. I was like, I need to laugh. <laughs> you know we love each other so much. I can say that, and we can have a, we can have a laugh and enjoy that. And I love I love that. You know, everything I have. But imagine in, in our house. Is it, no, imagine your own house. You've got kids. No discipline. It'd be great for probably about a day. Then chaos. And um, so I want to just ask this question: you know, What can we learn? from holding truth's intention and keeping our safety line taut. Because there are many, as I said, there are many of these, 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 these individual truths that we learn from and we get revelation from. And then when we look and we go, wow, okay, this looks like it's actually contradicting this, but I know it's not because there's nothing contradictory in the Bible. So the Holy Spirit shown me Revealed to me a greater depth of understanding that I need to come into that I continue to walk in alignment. Help me understand this this Jesus that you sent that died for my sin, redeemed me, 
And the same Jesus that says, you know what, I've come to bring division, I've come to separate, I've come to bring a sword, and I've come to divide some things, and my word is going to judge the thoughts and attitudes of man's heart. And I know, you know, the same Jesus that many are going to fall and rise to. Help me understand this Jesus, this incredible king warrior Jesus, and this Jesus that's just like my buddy my, my, my friend who just loves me and yes. I have both the same Jesus Christ, yeah? And so, what can we learn from holding these things? I'm just going to give you three simple things. The first one I'll leave is we start to see God for who He is and not who we maybe have created Him to be. Yeah. You start to see Him, see Him. And as we looked at last week, true sight comes from within our hearts. Paul said, I pray that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened, that you would know some things. That we would see God, understanding God from within us starts here, not who we maybe created Him to be. And I want to show you just a clip. Is that, have we got that clip going, guys? So I want to show you a clip, and now look, I am not knocking Oprah Winfrey. Okay, this is not an Oprah Winfrey bag session. This is just something that she has, has, has put out that's on YouTube, it was on TV, and I just want us to listen to what she says. Okay? One of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live and that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways to be a human being and and many ways, many paths to what you call God. And her path might be something else and when she gets there she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her generosity brings her, if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be in that, I mean, it, it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides, I there could possibly be just one way. What, what about Jesus? What about Jesus? I'm there is one way and only one way, and that is Jesus. There couldn't possibly be just one way. Interesting, eh? Now, I don't know about you, but you might think, you know what? Well, I know Jesus, and I'd never say that. And we may never say that, but I think we say it in other ways. I've heard Christians say, well, you know what? My God. He wouldn't do that. Or, no, no, you know, my God. The God that I worship. He doesn't do that. No, no, that's, 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 that's not it. He doesn't, that's not, no, no, no. Yeah, one of the things that actually sent, um, and I couldn't find this clip, but, but Oprah Winfrey slightly down this road is when she was in a Baptist church. She grew up in a Baptist church. And the pastor there was preaching, and he was preaching from the Old Testament where he said, God's a jealous God. 
And she says, she literally says, you know, when I heard, I thought, my God's not jealous. And she says that was, that was a, a turning point in her life where she started to do this. Because she didn't believe that God was a jealous God. But that's what the word teaches. God is an incredibly jealous God. Incredibly jealous God. You see, we've got to be so careful that we don't create a God in our own image. It's really easy to do. When we judge it through the flesh, when we, you know, well, oh, this doesn't sit. Is it, is it, is it comfortable sitting with you that, that Jesus comes to bring the vision? Is that comfortable? Is that, is that something that we, you know, what? You know what? The reality is, if I love my wife and my children more than I love him, I'm not worthy of something. Am I comfortable with that truth? Because that's not me making it up. That's straight out of the book. And if I'm not, then I'm starting to create a God in my own image. I love that. My God wouldn't do that. Yeah, you know why? Because your God sounds a lot like you. It's, your God's looking a bit like you, actually, and, and how you live and what you say and how I live and what I say. What are, what's the first commandment in the, in the Ten Commandments? In the Book of Instruction? I will have no other. Do not make any idol. So we're going to be so careful that we may look at that and go, that's not me, but real. You look at the church today? I think we're creating and so... But how many, how many of us want to come into a greater understanding of, of Him? Yeah. I want that. I believe we want that. And when we take these and walk in and contend for, then we'll come into a greater reality of Him, which means you come into a greater alignment. You walk more accurately. The freedom that you you experience the joy, the peace, those things become a reality. Not just a, a nice concept. You're someone that, that moves forward like this. You're not like this. <coughs> the Spirit, Bible says we let go of the flesh. What's happening there is you're there's flesh operating. Mm -hmm. As we come more and more into the things of God, God's people do this. Yeah. We go from glory to glory, the Bible says. And we've talked about this. We're not swayed by the winds. <laughs> We're not swayed by what's happening. We bring life and light into those situations. That's the role of the church, you and I. As we start contending and holding these, these truths in tension, God brings us into a greater ability to see Him, His ways, His understanding. And the fruit of that is that my life starts to shift and change and I'm becoming more and more, more like the one I follow. I think that's awesome to see him in full color. Lord, give me more of your lordship. Do you know, do you know how many people it's awesome to die to yourself. 
Yeah? Some of you are looking at me like, what? Do you know there is life found? The more I see Him, the more I understand Him, the more I want to die. The more I want to give, the more I want to serve, the more I want to love like Him. It's a natural outworking. Why? Because you've got more of Him in you. And the more of Him in you, the more you live like Him. We find life when we die to self. That's why Jesus said, deny self. So often I think what we think the cross paid for was just my eternal salvation. No, He paid such a price that I would live a life that looks like Him. Which means that I wouldn't live for me, I would live for others and there would be selflessness coming out of me. See, if I lose sight of the cross, it's easy to, on one aspect, just say, oh, thank you for dying for my sin, I'll take that. But the more I know Him, and the more I see Him, and the more I come into Him, and the more I understand this, this greater reality, the more I'm actually a selfless person. It's love that comes forth, and serving others that comes forth. That's awesome! Yeah? No? Maybe? That is awesome! Because we come alive. You know, I just, I'm not going to embarrass this couple, but we, we visited a couple yesterday. They just had a child. The child is about 10 days old. They're here this morning. I almost thought they were going to come to our life group last week. Do you know why? Because there's a culture inside this couple that's so attractive and so alive for God. And this culture is aligning things in order. Not consumed by this little child they've had. It's like this is an add-on. And there's such the peace in the home when we were there yesterday, you can just sense it. It's like, here's a couple that are letting go of self. And Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and I'll add these things. And they've got this beautiful little boy. And he's an addition to the family. I guarantee you, he's not going to take over the family. He's an addition to it. And the more we contend, the more we walk in this tension, the more we understand and see Him. Which is just really my second point. His purpose, His ways, His plan becomes more clearly defined. And it's it's for us. It's for you and I. We come alive. If I shared this last week, I shared that Paul said that you would know what the hope of his calling was. Once again, that we would know it. We'd come into it. We're on this journey of discovering the hope of his calling. The riches of his glory, which are in his inheritance. And the surpassing greatness and power. This glorious, radiant church. This bride. This people. That are contending for truth. Understanding this anchor point and living in that. Understanding this anchor point and living in that. And then viewing those, those two together and walking and holding these things in tension. And operating, coming into a greater understanding of the purposes of God. For you and I on the earth, so much of the church stops at this thing called salvation. 
we stop at Jesus. But the apostles preach Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus is part of the kingdom message. Jesus himself said, I've come to preach the kingdom message. It's the kingdom message that the enemy can steal. You can't mess with Christ and what Christ did on the cross, but he can mess with this kingdom, this understanding, our inheritance. He comes to steal, kill, rob, and destroy. From you becoming the person Jesus died for you to become, not just as an individual, but as the body of Christ. We're going to have such an impact on this earth, it's not funny. But through a spiritual connection and bringing forth another reality, anchored, I've said this before, but anchored there, but living here. Not anchored here. We're anchored there, living here. And at some point in time, the bungee cord is going to be pulled and... Up you go, maybe as an individual, because your time's up. And as a body, not as a so much of the so much of our understanding is just individual, individualistic. Me and Jesus. Uh, as a as a body, we have a role here to play. Which is just the third thing we just we just we discover who we are and our role and his purpose and plan. That's why I'm so excited about Ignite. I want to encourage you to, to make a commitment to 10 weeks initially to place yourself in an environment and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring you into a greater reality of who you're called to be and become. And allow that to start to change the way you think and change the way you live which means it will have an impact in your families if you're a dad here it will start having an impact in your marriage it will start having an impact in your children man do we as men need to step it up as Christian men we need to step up put on some pants and start leading our families this nation is crying out for strong servanthood Christian living men. And it starts in the home. It starts in this thing called a marriage and it's children. If I'm not discipling my children, I'm not being a good father. Simple as that. I'm not letting Jeremy, oh I love Jeremy, be a disciple of my little girls. It's me. That's a bonus. What we do here is a bonus. It's not the answer. Yeah, that's right. The meat and spuds are at home. Things that you guys can't see. Yes. That's where it happens. That's where it's supposed to be happening. Bringing, I want my kids to come into this reality. We said on the car before, I want my kids to be way more effective than what I am. Mm-hmm. Way more. Mm-hmm. There's something on Madeline that's incredible. Way more. I want to feed that and harness that and lift that. But how can I do that if I don't know who he is? How can I do that if I have no concept of who really God is? If I'm not going after and contending for for the realities, how am I supposed to lead my children? I can't. I can't give them what I don't have. So dads, we must be contending. We must be in the Word. We must be leading. We must be modeling what it looks like. 
That's the biblical pattern. And if you look at the world today, it's not, you don't have to be a rocket science to see what's happening. And the enemy attacks the family and he tries to take out the head, which is the husband, which is the male. And it's a loving, serving leadership. None of that's in my notes. So thank you, Lord. I just want to finish with this, you know, that as we live these lives and we become these people, the glory of God radiates on the earth. Transformation starts to happen in our own lives. The great thing is that God gets honor and the glory of God is, is displayed. I want that. I'm a dead man walking. I love that. There's a dead man walking. You want to sing the green one? There's a dead man walking. That's the church. We're to be dead people walking, but alive. Hear what I'm saying? Alive in Him. Alive in the Spirit. Understanding. Anchor point. Anchor point. Revelation of that. Looking at these greater realities, holding them in tension, walking together, contending together, brothers and sisters, arm in arm, carrying one another's burdens, coming into a greater reality. Amen? So Father, I just want to thank you for these awesome, incredible people. I want to thank you, Lord, for what you are doing here on the earth. I want to thank you for what you're doing here at the Rock. I want to thank you, Lord, that we are going to be flexible, moldable, realignable, so we walk in a greater alignment with you. Father, there is so much, so much that you want to show us as individuals, as a corporate, as families. There is gold, Lord, that you want to bring forth, which is you and your son, which is a greater reality of you. I said, Lord, I thank you for the work you're doing. I thank you for the the overcoming spirit, which is your spirit, which resides in this house. I thank you, Lord, that we are making a difference as individuals and as as a corporate body of Christ. I thank you. I pray for this outreach thing we're going to be doing, Lord, in Tawa. I pray that we would get behind it. I pray that we would at least ask the neighborhood child, the neighborhood family, the people we work with, Lord. I pray, God, we would just continue to love you and love on others and allow you to be our stronghold. Allow you to be our fortress, as David says. Allow you to be the rock in which we base our lives upon. There is no one greater worth giving that role to and those reins to than my Lord Jesus Christ. Because I know that we can trust you, Lord, as we do that. So, Father, help us to contend for truth. Help us to understand these individual truths. Help us to see when things look like they may be contradict, they actually attract. To 
bring the church into this greater reality. foundations that have been destroyed, you rebuild them. You're the God of the living. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You said, I'm the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. And I can't wait to dine with my church where I'll take again the wine, the joy when we are together around the table, a wedding banquet. Open our eyes, Father. Open our ears. Thank you, Lord. Father, we declare today we're people of the Spirit. People of your Spirit. Let's just all stand. Thank you, Father. Lord, we stand before you. 